0: Hello and welcome back to the Roker Report Extra Podcast. Thanks very much for tuning back in. That was second one of the week. Obviously, we had the Aston Villa one during the week, which was a nice chat. wasn't particularly a nice game, but they never are seemingly over the past few weeks. That's uh, another nail in the coffin, I think. And I think that's us. I think we're pretty much all agreeing. It's looking like League One, you know, moving forward. I can't see us getting out of it. Most people feel the same way. I've talked about it being 10 cup finals, but it's starting to feel like it's going to be 10 more games where we can just get used to the plummet that's going to come but nonetheless you know the extra podcast does like to interview fans of uh, clubs that are going to beat us on the weekend so this week we've got paul Benny from the qbr podcast um how are you doing paul are you all right
1: i'm all right it's, it's normally you you, you said the sort of thing i normally say when we're doing our podcast about how bad we are so i feel your pain big man
0: not as bad as us and i think everyone can agree on that how's how's your season been so far in summary
1: to be honest, going back to you guys, when I went to your place this season, I couldn't believe how fed up everyone was and how upset they were. Well, I understand why they're upset, but just not the, the Sunderland we know and love, isn't you know, you, you go up there and you you get loads of abuse in a nice way, and people are, there's a real buzz to the place, and it's just, your orders have killed you, big man, and I apologise for them because no football club should be going through what you guys are going through. It's a flipping disgrace. But yeah, our season's been a bit up and down. With, um We're with kind of like, pretending we're not spending lots of money when we probably still are and we're still spending a wee bit of money and not really performing but we're told that we we're going to rebuild ourselves and in a couple more years we can come out of what was paying a load of mercenaries for the Premier League as you well know yourself doesn't work
0: and we got relegated. Really If there's one thing we've all noticed this week is how much everyone else, like fans of other clubs, have have started really realizing what is that's happening to something because there's there's so many clubs I think, and I think because we're at like you know we're, we're getting towards the business end of the season, there's been a lot of the championship clubs who haven't been to the stadium for. You know, since the days of Kevin Phillips and whatnot, QBR a little mm. bit different. Obviously, you've been re- relatively recently. But I think people are starting to click how dire the situation is with something and how how bad it really is getting. How, how I mean, I wasn't planning on asking this, but nonetheless, I will. Yes. You came to the Stadium Light, obviously, it was a 1-1 draw, which for, for people listening... I had a, a month and a half break from uh, the stadium like because I live in Glasgow. So I had to take a month and a half break and it's the only time I've done it since 97. But the last time I've seen Sunderland score a goal in the flesh was Aidan McGeady against QPR. And I've been to about seven games since then. We've been 2 nil down in almost every game. So for people listening and for QPR fans like that's how dire it can be supporting Sunderland. I haven't seen us win in about 460 days. I haven't seen us score a goal in the flesh since October. And I have been to about seven or eight games in that time. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. How bad was it when you came up? What, what were you expecting and what did you get?
1: Well, normally, when you go up, because of you know, I know a few Sunderland fans down here and stuff, and you know, it, it's it's all about the club, and it's all about pride and the passion and the the glory of what what's been before and everything else. With that, like QPR, you don't expect anything because you know that as soon as someone buys you and pretends to put loads of money, and you're going to walk straight into a brick wall. But what I noticed was how the atmosphere was so. Just people, I suppose, going through the motions. That's what it looked like as an away fan. In the fans, I just just didn't seem to to really, just numb. I think that's the only way I could describe it was the fans were numb and you could feel it and it was horrible to watch any club, whether it's Sunderland, Stockport or anyone, no one should be going through that. It's just, and we have been through it ourselves with really bad, dodgy owners who just want to rip the heart out of you and change the ethos of everything he's done and try and make you into something that you're not. And when it goes horribly wrong like this. And, it, you know, it's it's all very well for everyone to have sympathy with you. But, you know, sometimes you do wonder what the football league and the Premier League, why they let these idiots get control of football clubs that they end up destroying so badly and get it so wrong. And there's no there's nothing the fans can do. It's it's a quite an outrage, really.
0: I mean, when it comes to, you know, when, when you're looking at QPR, it was another team that and one of our boys, uh, one of my mates, uh, Tom, he wrote an article. And there was, was a point he put in and he was talking about clubs and he's like, you know, it happens to Coventry, it happens to to Wolves, it happens to to QPR, And he went through a few list of clubs, but you yeah. never think it's going to be your club that happens to. And I feel like right now we're like the Coventry City of however many years ago that was. And mm-hmm. it's funny, you mentioned before about, you know, the fans kind of almost given up. And, and, and you're right in the sense it's a very apathetic feel in the stadium and it has been... Since probably mid David Moyes, I would say, but right. I, I mean, it, it yeah, it's it really is quite dire at the moment. If I'm honest with you, I don't see us getting out of it at all.
1: Well, I mean, listen, we we, we dipped into to that division um, when we were really going through after administration, and the lovely Mister Winkleman came down and tried to create an MK Rangers to move us up to. War. He stole MK Dons from him. It was to, to, a lot of people don't really know that, but we it came very close to us being the Wimbledon that was going to be stolen and taken up there, and it was horrible. And the vultures just circle around your club, but it's just you know you, you kind of hope the next owner is going to be better than last owner, but they just they just see the grind, they see real estate, they see money signs, and I, when a club loses money, somewhere I always think with these. Charlatans, it's always a lot easier for them to make money because if you lose one million, it doesn't mean if you lose 10 million, no one's looking for it. Do you know what I mean? And then someone comes in and buys it all, and then they get all their money back and they bugger off and they leave the club in an absolute disgraceful thing. But I mean, League One isn't, you know, it's so hard, especially you're going to be going down if you do. I hope you don't, but I, like yourself, I'd be lying if I didn't say I thought you were, you know, you're more or less down. You're a big fish, do you know what I mean? And, and like everyone wants to beat you, so it's 10 times harder to get out of that flipping league than, than if you're just a a small I don't like calling clubs big or small but I mean you're going to be huge in that league I mean Sunderland are massive to, and to be in league one everyone's going to want to beat you and then of course you've got the problem getting tickets but let's hope you go, if you do go down you get rid of this lot of clowns and then you can come up and hopefully get saved by some kind of fan saviour type who, who's out there there must be someone out there who wants to save
0: Sunderland there has to be I hope so. We spoke a few times, so, you know, to because a, a, there's a lot of clubs in this division that have gone through what your club has, what and what something mm. going through, where we've had that drop and we've had that an amount of personalities that are just not, they just don't fit the ethos or the idea of the club. Did, and obviously QPR are probably the highest profile of all of those clubs that signed big money players that just didn't give a flying fuck about QPR. Let's be honest, everyone could see it. I mean, you're not flying. That's, you know, let's not deny it. You're not flying, but you're not you're not where we are. You don't look like you're in trouble of, of relegation. It looks like it's going to be a steady season. Have you found getting rid of, I and mean, I know it's a process, but getting rid of all those players that you got rid of on big money, has that changed the outlook of QPR as a whole? Or is it still, are you still going through that process?
1: We're still going through it. And you know what? We're nowhere near at the woods like we should be. I mean, there's a real... I personally think there's a real missed opportunity because he we kind of went to the game Tuesday against Derby. Like a few years ago, we beat Derby in probably the most one-sided playoff I ever seen in my life, and thank God we won it. They battered us, and we won it. And there was forty thousand of each fans on on Tuesday. It was half empty the away end was half empty. Uh, the home fans had given up, and we, you know, because of apathy, whatever. But also in QPR's wisdom, they've, they've made walkups almost impossible to um, afford for Championship football, and they've decided to put an extra five quid. On the day, so if you're a Sunderland fan travelling down on Saturday and you don't book your ticket beforehand, you might want to do that because they're going to bang you with a five pound surcharge on the day, which is just ridiculous. But going back to it, yeah, we're not out of it, we're going to have to slash our wage bill again next season. We've got a financial fair play fan, which I think is going to be between 40 and 50 million. And I just hope to God we don't get a points deduction because that's just going to be a nightmare. But as usual, the fans will suffer. The mistakes the owners. I mean, I knew it was going wrong for Queen's Park Rangers when we signed the likes of Joey Barton and you're getting all these sort of headline moves and players coming in like Park from Manu at the wrong end of their career and they just had no enthusiasm and then we're buying absolute Egypt from that sack of shake down the road called Chelsea. Um and you're kind of just thinking to yourself, This is this is not how my club should be. I I wanna see youngsters out there, I wanna see people come from the youth team, I wanna you know you sing one of your own and you really want to do one of your own and stuff and, and, and get the clever buys like we, we we had a player we brought years ago from York City you might remember him called Johnny Byrne who was an absolute legend at QPR and I yeah. loved Johnny Byrne and he was a great player and that's who you want to see your club bring through. I don't want the big-time Charlie's. They don't care about us. They don't care about anything. They just want to go with a situation where like, people like with Sean Wright Phillips, just going out to the nightclubs and not giving a rat's arse about what he was in a QPR. It was it was vile. And to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy the Premier League. Apart from beating what we call the scum twice, which was Chelsea, obviously, um, and the old game <laughs> the, the game against Man City, it's a half-and-half half scarf. It's just ticket tights outside, you know. You don't recognise people. We're a small club. And we all know each other. Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden, you, you, the media wants to know everything about you and everything else. But yeah, go, sorry, I keep going away from the question. We do that I
0: mean, often.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm just you know, you need to vent these things. I think you next season's going to be really hard for us because we're going to slash the wage bill. We're bringing youngsters through, which is good to see and much needed. And you kind of hope that they've got the impetus to take us further. If you, And goodbye to the big time Charlies and hopefully more... Things to come. This is more positive. We might even win an FA Cup match in the next twenty flipping years. <laughs> but I think we're going to have a few more dark seasons before we um, come out of this. And this is purely because we can't even cheat well and beat FFP. It's ridiculous. They just the hundreds of millions we spent. And do you know what the sad thing about it is, we haven't got a proper training ground. There's no legacy. We spent hundreds of millions of pounds, and all we did was make agents rich. And that makes my blood boil because we didn't build one ounce of a legacy. Yeah. And, you know, it's all right, the club's saying lessons learned, but surely once you spend 50, 60 million, you're not getting nothing back, you've got to say to yourself, this isn't working, lads. Let's call it a day. And if we go down, we go down from the Premier League. The Premier League's not the b and end of everything. Your club's far more important than the league you're in.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it's funny, the thing you're saying, What one thing that you mentioned, obviously, about the, the points deduction, and I, I've heard that as well. I heard something about that where... You could be in serious danger of it. But then when you said it, I I immediately kind of crapped my own pants and thought, well, I know we've got problems and there's people that, you know, it doesn't really take a genius to work out where we're at at the moment financially. Mm. either. If we go down, or either of us go down, and like you say, I think you're out of it. But you, you know, there's still a chance. How damaging could it realistically be? Like it, it feels like with Sunderland, there's a trap door, and we feel like we've hit the bottom, and it feels like there could be another one to fall through. When I, when I think about how badly we're doing and where we're likely to be going, I mean, I, I heard the other day that you get more, like you get next to nothing for winning League League One. Basically, mm. I think it's like a million or something like that. I could be completely wrong with that, but it's not much. So, so where does the finance come from if we can't sell, if, if he can't sell the club? I mean, I'm worried that he can't. It, there must be someone, but I've been saying that for the best part of a year now, and it's it's getting a bit worrying, actually.
1: I think what you've done <laughs> was far frying pan scenario of like what when you're in the championship, you're just that one league below what they consider the holy grail where they want their they always call a brand we call it our culture or club or history or everything they call it yes. a brand
0: that's a very valid point very valid point do,
1: do you know what i mean and you want you're one step down from them getting their brand where they want it to be when you're two steps away you're open to everyone and you know it's sometimes a massive club you shouldn't be in this position i'm not just saying that to, to you know because you've been good enough to ask me to talk to your podcast it's just it is ridiculous how, you know it happens so easily, and there's no. I keep saying there's no responsibility from the Football League or the, the Premier League. They just let these clients. I mean, we had a massive client called Gianni Palladini running us for years, and he was just an absolute idiot. And there's no comeback in these things. They can do whatever they want, and then when they do get found out, and they or they leave, they leave with a hell of a mess. The fans are left holding the fort, and they, and there's no help from the FA or anyone, and it's usually fans going through their own associations and get themselves together to sort clubs out. It's, do you know what? It's, it's, it's incredible how the Football League and the FA just wash their hands of these things, and yet they let the idiots control the clubs without any checks on them at all. It seems that any Tom, Dick and Harry can get hold of a football club and destroy 150 years of history. It's absolutely shocking.
0: Yeah, it's, it's completely spot on with what you say about Ellis Shaw, about the, the leave the fans to carry the cannon. Yeah, the, the weird thing with Sonnen is Ellis Shaw's kind of left Martin Bain to carry this basically stripping of assets job, is from what I can see, and, and we're left right. to just sort of deal with it, where he just sits in wherever he's bloody living at the moment. I mean, he's, I don't think he's been all season. I don't think he's been all season. So how can he be actively trying to sell the club like he promises he is if he's not even in the bloody country? Like, it just, it's like his, his toy is broken beyond the point of being interesting. So so that's it, you know, that the, yeah. you should just leave it. If you look at the players we brought in in, in January, there were loan signings and free transfers. I mean, we, we signed uh, Kazenga Lawalawar, who, to be honest with you, I know he played for you guys, but mm. it, he hasn't really even, even shown up for us. He played once or twice and looked all right as a sub and now he's injured again. I mean, I don't think he had a very good time at QPR either, did he? But I think that was personal issues. He,
1: well, he lost his father last season. Before that, you know, so it's hard to judge because, you know, no one wants to go through that. So it's hard to say whether he's still in the grieving process and gone through it all. I don't know. But when he left QPR um, this year, it, it was with, you know, basically, you know, a door opened. He went out of it and he would never be spoke of again. It was, it, no one really thought of him much, obviously, we remember him for the horrible tragedy he had, but playing-wise, he just didn't do it for us at all. Um, and it didn't work. And he was probably stopping our kids coming through. I, don't, I think it looks to me like the kids lost his appetite and Bretton just want to try and get him out the door. So if he's injured again, God knows what's going to happen.
0: I mean, when, when, he's, when he's came on for us, he's... You're positive, but it's been 20 minutes here or there. And I mean, I'm not being funny here at all because I do have a trust in Coleman. Although it is is waiting, I must be honest, because I I don't think he's doing the job or anywhere near the job I expected. But I think he's the least of our problems, to be totally honest. Mm. I I do think, you know, mentally, he's the the right man. He says the right stuff and he has an understanding of the club. But the signings he brought in, like his men, you've got Lee Camp who's been very, very poor, incredibly poor, in fact. Um, Ashley Fletcher, who's been absolutely woeful. Then you've got Ajaria, who's alone signing from uh, Liverpool. He's been pointless, really. Then you've got Luan mm. who's been, again, kind of pointless. And then you've also got on top of that Jake Clark Salter, who's probably played the most out of all of them and not really pulled up any trees. And, and you say, oh, you know, they've only been here five minutes, but we're into March now. We haven't got time yeah. We, we really don't we have 10 games and we're we're eight points behind Bolton and that terrifies me because Bolton's had the same issues as us and I think it just goes to show how much it's not always it's not always about the finances and who you can buy and who you can't buy sometimes it's about the attitude of an entire football club which stems right from the top I, f- I feel like a have broken record in this sometimes but I, I really think it is I think you know when QBR went down I remember when you went down when you had like as you mentioned before, Park Ji-sung, Rio Ferdinand, Basingwa and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes, yeah, you had bad apples in the club and stuff like that. But I, how much of that, from my perspective, it seemed a bit of apathy, like you knew you were going down by like October time. Did you feel like that as well? And did that just manifest itself over seasons?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't have so much bad apples as bad orchards. <laughs> yeah, you know, you kind of listen, you get it. Like, I've been watching football since I was a kid. I was, I grew up in Belfast watching an Irish club called Glen Torn, and came to London and watched QPR, you know, and you kind of, you, you know, you football fans aren't stupid and they can tell if, if a player is shirking a challenge, if they're going in for it. If, if like, the Joey Barton, he came to the club and he was all talk and bluster and this, that, and the other, but. <sighs> You know, he did nothing for us, really, and he wasn't the only one. There were so many of them. I mean, you miss him, single. When we got relegated, he came off the pitch laughing. You know, and and as a fan, that hurts you. That that's that's soul destroying because you, you you know you're being conned, but for them to be so blatant about it is just outrageous, and it just makes your blood boil. Whereas, to be honest, with you, a lot of the lads we've got now a lot are a lot more honest and. They might not yeah. have the ability that some of these guys have, but they've got a hell of a lot more heart. And that's the only thing you can take out of these these things. If I mean, we got rid of Kolka this year. I mean, he was probably one of the last ones lying around. But, you know, and a, a lot of money. And he, it was said he had mental health issues and everything else. I don't want to slag the fellow off. But it's just, you know, the money that these guys are on. I mean, we were paying people like 70, 80 grand a week. We'd We'd like... <laughs> Some QPR up, we had like Robert Green in goal and also Cesar from Brazil, two of the National World Cup goalkeepers in a QPR. And you're like, there's no way we can afford this, this is insanity. And you know, apparently, Cesar was taking a helicopter to the training ground and stuff, but it's just ah, uh, you know what? Before we used to walk down the road and you could have Johnny Burn, uh, or you could have Gary Bannister walking down to the tube station, you'd have a wee arm with them, and you'd talk away to the players, or Big Alan McDonald and people like that. And, you know, they, they, they would talk to you and have time for you. Once we got into this Premier League scenario, they were putting things up between the fans and the players. And they, they, it was like Madame Tussauds. They were coming around, sending autographs and going in. It was everything that I hate about modern football. And then the flipping half and half scarves Oh, Jesus, I don't think I'll ever get over them. <laughs> Imagine like having a, I mean, there's a case. I actually sat the fellow was in front of me and it was against Chelsea. And he had a half and half QPR and Chelsea scarf on. I've just said to him, like, you need to, you need to get rid of that, pal. And he's like, why? I go, because I've just got to burn it. Um, (laughs) And and he's looking at me and he's like, I'm a QPR fan. I was like, not
0: a chance. No.
1: Nah. Because you've got a, a, you've got that shite on and that's just wrong, you know. And, and you don't miss them sort of people. So there is, there is that. listen, there's kind of the, the, the position you guys are in. I'm not going to be condescending any, in any way. I would hate to be in that position that you're in and people come and say, you never know, you might rise from the fire, the Phoenix rises. It's a long, horrible road and you just hope that someone comes in and someone gets you and someone gets your culture, gets your community and gets what your club is about and starts putting it back together again and I'm sure even I would take a 10 year gap and return eventually but the return as a club that you fell in love with and not this just horrible thing that the team come out and they've got the big flipping fire things and they've got people dancing around the pitch it's all like America going wrong do you know what I mean it's like yeah. you need to keep the soul of your club together and I think that's what you just said sums it up if you've got lone players coming in they're going to be here for five minutes they don't care you know, they'll go again in the season and, and go on to travel somewhere else you need people who get your club, who get your ambitions, who get your dreams, who have got time for the fans and can identify and reach out. It doesn't matter whether you're Sunderland or York City or anyone like that. Uh, you've got to have a bond between the fans and the club.
0: Yeah, no, completely. And, and that's what feels like is kind of missing at the moment. From When I went to the game on Tuesday against, uh, against Villa, and it's almost like, and I mean, you, you could see it, a lot of people say to me, oh, but Sunderland have been fighting relegation for so many seasons and it was always going to happen. But, you know, there, there was something about Sunderland when we hit sort of like the end of February, March time in those premiership seasons where we kind of went, all right, then like, let's fucking have it sort of thing. Our attitude kind of got us out of it, the club as a whole. And that's why we had the de Dicanos, the Dick Advocars, the Allardyces. No matter who was in charge, the same attitude went forth and, and the fans helped with that. And then Moyes came in and kind of destroyed that. That's kind of continued on through all the other problems that come with it. And I think you know, and is that the game on Tuesday? It was just as soon as the first one went in, everyone kind of went, "Well, that's it then. That's us done. That, mm. That's the game over." We'll concede a second before half time. Lo and behold, we did. I mean, there's problems off the pitch. There's huge problems off the pitch, and we know that, and that's the biggest problem. But we've also got huge problems on the pitch. There's eleven players there. You know, apart from maybe Joel DeSoro and potentially, oh, off the top of my head, uh, oh, I'm struggling here. Um, probably there's only video Soro showing anything, to be honest with you, at the moment. And and he's an 18 year old kid. He shouldn't have to carry a can that has a team with Aiden McGeady, Callum McManaman, John O'Shea, and most importantly, Lee Catamo. An 18 year old shouldn't be carrying that no, can. You're right. Kind of moving away a little bit, looking at sort of the actual results. Um, which is kind of hard to speak about these days. A bit of a mixed bag your last six games. What, is, I mean. is, that, is that the season you've been having? Or?
1: <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. I mean, the, the Forest match, I just sat there in absolute disbelief, shock. I mean, do you know what the worst thing is when you're sort of reading about the opposition? And like I've said this for years and you, you can probably identify with this as well with some and the, the kind of runs that our clubs have. Someone hasn't scored for a year. Someone hasn't scored for 18 months. Someone hasn't done this. Someone hasn't done that. And you're thinking, I'm straight down the bookies for a hat-trick on him. And you kind of... You know in the first 30 seconds of how the game's going. I don't... I defy anyone who supported a club that sometimes goes these things happen to where you say, oh, God, they're not up for it today. Oh, Christ, here we go. Oh, Jesus. And it was a bit like that. And, you know, we scored two goals and it kind of flattered us a little bit. We were absolutely appalling. A bit more... We got a young lad from um, Northern Ireland called um, Paul Smith. Unfortunately, he signed... Well, he signed from a club called Lindenfield who are like Satan in Ireland, but never mind. As I said, I'm a Glenn Torn fan as well, so that are are rivals. <laughs> he, he you know, it's nice to see him have so much spirit. He's young, he's very quick, but he's got that drive, he's kinda of got that I'm gonna leave my soul on this pitch attitude. And I think as fans we all love that. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't want them to turn into Messi or Pelle or Jordy Best or anyone like that though. You just want them to leave their soul on the pitch, stick their foot in do things, try and create things, and never give up. And you're kind of thinking, if, if we can get some more lads like him, and there is some lads coming through, and you're thinking, I can see the green shoots. Do you know what I mean? I can, I can see whether Holloway will be there in the season to bring them through. I don't know because last season he went on two lots of six defeats in the spin, um, and his football at times is it's hard going. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know how much input the coaches like Bircham and that have. I would, I would say no, Ian um and his interviews that he's very much his own person, so he will probably be masterminded and everything himself. But we brought on a centre half for a striker at one point and he did this before many years ago in his first stint. And you kind of and he got away with it, thank God. But if we had got beat by Derby, he would have got absolutely hammered. So yeah, we're having a strange old season where, you know, the the fans are not turning up, there's something wrong. Season tickets have come out. I mean and it's a real pain that I see with the club because they're going for a cheap headline grab of like really cheap season tickets, about 210 quid, but they only released 150 of them in a bad section of the ground. And you just know that so they can say, look, you can watch QPR for this part of money. He's like, no, you. Can. what about giving an overall reduction? Do you know what I mean? You know, the, the thing about championship, it's so destroying to see empty seats, as you well know, and it just kills you. I oh, yeah. don't understand why, why clubs can't have a rethink. I mean, yes, we've paid our season tickets. Yes, we've paid that. But I don't care if someone comes in paying cheaper money than me. Fill the ground, give it an atmosphere. There's nothing worse than just looking at it, rows and rows of empty seats. It's soul destroying, and it's not what our club should be about.
0: No, and I, I mean our our seats are, are dwindling and dwindling. And I think you know I was always the kind of person that said get get behind the club and stuff like that. But I think it's all there's also a debate surrounding that as well, with owners and things like that as well. Is do you want to? Oh, do you want to finance the owner, so to speak? And, and mm. a lot of people have that opinion as well. I mean, it's weird, but like, yeah, it's it's horrible. Like, I, I hate going to the Stadium Light and seeing what, what to me, is looking more and more like 30,000 seats, despite the fact they tell us there's 30,000 or 27,000 there. It certainly doesn't look like it. And I, I struggle to blame anyone, but, like, it doesn't mean I don't miss it being full because, you know, I remember times, um, you know, you I, I imagine you've been to the Stadium Light a few times mm. I remember QPR coming when Mike Sheeran scored two goals and, and rescued it from us. We were 2-0 up and you pulled about a 2-2. It was a Friday night. But, I mean, if, you're, if you were there and you can remember the atmosphere of those days, even the days when Martin O'Neill was here, and I think we won 3-1. Uh, even then, when the stadium light is falling, and it's rocking, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm biased, but there's not many better places. It's I think the northeast as a whole is like that. As much as it pains me to say, those bastards up the road are actually all right <laughs> when they're behind their uh, behind their own lot. The northeast is a football mad city. Um, yeah, football mad area. Sorry, it's Sunderland. It, we're daft about football. Newcastle are daft about football. Middlesbrough. Yeah, you know they're, they're nowhere near as big as us too, but they they like their football. It's a working class area at the end of the day, and I think. We like football. That's what we live for. And when you when you see a stadium empty in a club, in a city that lives for football, you've got to start thinking how seriously wrong are things? Because Walker Park, when I was growing up, even when we were in, you know, kind of where we are now, sort of, but not quite as bad, like 93, 94, it was still packed. I mean, it was only 20,000 which is mm. the same amount as what we've got in the stadium now, give or take. But Rooker Park was still packed. It still had a, a sense of humour, even when things were shit. Right now, it's not even just empty seats. It's like a lack of voice. People aren't even angry enough to, to shout at the owner. They're just apathetic. The only kind of action you ever see is someone shouting at another fan because you've got one fan saying, get behind the team. You've got another fan saying, I, I don't want to. I can't be asked. I don't deserve it. And that's the only time you see anyone raise their voice. We're just so apathetic it feels it does feel like a dead football club it really feels genuinely dead and I think I'm kind of I don't know if I'm pleased to hear it from other fans like I am and I'm not because I'm I'd rather not hear it from anyone I'd rather people hate us for being dead successful but it's nice (laughs) people are like noticing what's happening with our club because sometimes when when outsiders are noticing what's happened sometimes there's a bit of a like it's not a siege mentality. That's what what would be the wrong thing to say. But if other clubs from other fans are noticing what's happening at Sunderland, it kind of cranks up the pressure a little bit on Ella Short to get out from outside of Sunderland because it starts going in the papers, it starts going on blogs, it starts getting talked about on podcasts. And all of a sudden, although these people are quite hard to move, it certainly does crank the pressure a little bit because he's just got to go. I mean, this can't go on much longer for Sunderland, it really can't because... It feels like, I mean, it just feels like we're falling down this big well and there's just no bottom of it. It it feels like my my dad said to me the other day, he's like, this is so bad that if he doesn't sell in the next couple of years, we could be looking at the conference. I mean, I always laugh at my dad because my dad's the most pessimistic bastard I've ever met in my life. (laughs) I remember he said to me, he said to me once, um, you know, always look toward getting beat because then you won't be disappointed. And that was like one of my dad's bit of advice when I was a kid, which tells you everything about my dad. But when my dad said that to me the other day and said, you know, if he doesn't sell in the next couple of years, we could be looking at the conference. And for the first time in my life, I was like, bloody hell, you know, you might not be wrong. It happened to Luton. And I know Luton yeah, very it different at worst, but, but, you know, mismanagement doesn't, uh, it doesn't differentiate. It won't let big clubs and 48,000 football stadiums stay up because we've got a nice big stadium with a a nice big fan base. If we're shit and we're mismanaged, we'll tumble. And if if he doesn't sell soon... I mean, we had interest in in the summer from a German consortium. He said he didn't feel it was going to be left in the best hands. Ah. I don't don't think it can get much worse, you know what I mean? Like... I, I generally don't think he can get much worse than, than Ellis Shaw like I don't think he's done it purposefully like I don't think he's you know really took hold of the club and thought how can I fuck this up but he might as well have because he has he's bloody useless um, the only thing that pains me is that now Quinn was the man who found him Quinn he never does anything wrong so I don't know what he was doing at that point Jesus Christ
1: well sometimes I, I don't know I mean we had the same thing with Chris right we had uh... a we had a guy called Richard Thompson, and we had a great side. Uh, we finished Top London's club. We just needed a wee bit of investment here and there, and he just kept selling our players. Now, he would say that he had to sell them to keep the club going. Yeah, I get that. We, we're not the biggest club in the world, and we were punching way above our weight, but we just felt a wee bit of investment here. We could go places we'd never been to before. Um, and anyway, he, he he got rid of Francis. He left. Chris Wright came in, and we just we just f- fell. You know, and it's once you start falling, it's so difficult to get the club back into some kind of shape. You know, it's it's hard, it's really hard. And I think you, you, you're you certainly going to go through that. I and, mean, you know, you're right, listen, at the end of the day, he just needs to go. And if he sells it for a pound with the best interests at heart and someone else. I mean, what I found was really depressing, I forget what the pub was called, but we stopped off, there's a couple of metro stops away, and we just talked to the Southern fans in the pub. And, the, the you know, like, with the way fans and home fans is. Despite what the media say, most football fans get on as you know. Obviously, you know, I'd never sit down with a flipping Chelsea fan, but never mind. Um, yeah, of course. But without that, you sit down, you have a yarn. As long as you're not an idiot, you're, you know, people, and the stuff they were saying about what he's doing, the selling he's doing, it, it just couldn't see the logic of what was going on there, you know. And just, you know, you're better off filling the club, even with you know, League One players, League Two players, and giving a all this sort of thing, and so, so depressed, and so not looking for. I mean. That's a sad thing, you know, we've all been kids and we're, I guess, even as adult men, we're still, um, and women, you're still the kid that goes to football, you know, you still get that buzz when you're walking down South Africa Road or wherever you're going and, you know, you see the stadium and you see, especially night games when you see the lights, it's, it's like, you know, it's the best thing ever and when fans stop loving that, then the club has got it seriously wrong and something needs to change rapidly because you should never fall out of love your football club it's it's you know especially you know. I know we're different to. I mean maybe we're not so different because because of the way London's being gentrified and everything else a lot of people find themselves having to move away from Shetwich Bush and Notting Hill and all them places where our fan base is is based and kind of where their mums and dads and uncles and aunties and sisters and brothers took them for the first time and they're kind of like the last bit of identity with that area is the football club um because people are being moved out, but I mean, if it doesn't start, we'll end up at Edinburgh. Um, and you don't want to go there. Sad. Trust
0: me, I live in I live in Glasgow. You don't want to go to Edinburgh. Just a side note for anyone listening, don't go was, to Edinburgh.
1: Did a job there a few weeks ago. Actually, I'll say oh, nothing. Did you run? Um, um, <laughs> it was a good job. It was alright. i am um, <laughs> actually that Royal Breeder football fan that has a floor businesses, shall we say, sir. So.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: not the floor, so There you go. Anyway, so um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of the way you know. And you said something earlier on about working class, and that's just sad. You know, my my mate's lad is only like 13 or 14, and he's struggling because he's been to so many away matches and seen QPR get tanked, and it hasn't. We've only won two in you know, you know. It's it's been it's been pretty ropey I mean, we've we've won beat Birmingham and Burton this year, and I think Birmingham last last February sort of thing. And, and when you said it as well, when you're not winning home games, you're not winning away games, it's so demoralising. And um, yeah, that that's, I think, is a killer in football, you know, sometimes. It, You've got to see something. I'm sure if, by hook or by crook, you guys start putting results together, the place will get electrified. But then that only peepers over the cracks because he's still going to be there. Do you know what I mean? You've... I just hope you get rid of him and I just hope you get your club back because no one should have their club stolen from them. And Then it also leaves the door open for the Fultures to come in, like what we'll happened in Wimbledon and stuff. You know, it's just, it's just crazy. And, and and as I keep saying, League One is, well, it's fun for a wee while um, going to these places. We had some great cracks at, at League One, but you, you want to get out of there quickly. And that's yeah. not being disrespectful. That's just being blinking on us because you just then become a massive club in a massive ground <laughs> and you could be the next port field although they're not a massive club but you know they look at the size of the ground and not counting these sort of things they're playing these huge grounds and only so little bit is full and you think how the hell do you generate anything in this place you know what I mean and that, would work, that worries me with all clubs because you have got a massive support one thing you do do which is nice that Newcastle make you do is that when you go to that Newcastle way in, you can actually watch Norway rather than the game I've never known a club that puts away fans in such a shit position. It's
0: embarrassing. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm just... I, I get so flabbergasted because I feel like such a, a broken record. And uh, But I just feel like every fan's getting it. Do you know what mm. I mean? From from an outside perspective, I spoke to a Villa fan last week. I spoke to a Millwall fan. I'm tweeting to you today. and it, And it's all different ages, different levels of fan base, different levels of club. And they all kind of go... I'm really sorry. Like, we've had this at this point in our lives, but I'm really sorry what's happening. And I just think, you know, do you know what worries me the most? Well, the best part of 35 minutes into a conversation, Mm. and and I haven't asked you what you're worried about with Sunderland. Is there any player in the Sunderland team that worries you? Because it's just, it's it's not the talking point with Sunderland anymore. The match is not, it's not relevant. Yeah. It's, It's got ridiculous. It's like, the, the more conversations I have, the more it's just a bit like, well, we're going down. How do you feel about us being absolutely ruined by this American owner? And it's like, yeah, I just feel like the football club's actually not doing the one thing it's paid to do anymore. Does that make sense?
1: Well, they're not they're not being guided, are they? I mean, but then you say about those clubs, like being Villa, I mean, you know, Villa Villa and I, I'm not sure what issues they have, but I certainly know with, with Millwall, from talking to people that I know this for them they've got a council trying to build around them and so they're they're fighting for their survival as well it just seems that when you're not in the premier the the football world like the fake football world which is sky and everything else just kind of forget about you but there's so many bad things happen to so many clubs and i think that's when you when you come to the podcast you get the fans you don't get the the glamour celebs and that you just get the real people who watch the club and know what's going on in the football league and You know, I mean, I hate Luton Town with a passion. I'll be honest with you, I can't stand that club. But what happened then was morally wrong. And it should never happen to anyone. And yet no one lifted a finger to help them. You know what I mean? It's just... And that could be any one of us. You know, we're all at the mercy of these corporates to come in. And as I say, you know, when they start talking about brands and where they're taking you, they promise you. I mean, we've been talking about a new ground, a new training ground, and God knows what, for years. And you think, just sort the training ground out. Do Loftus Road up. Make it reduce prices, make it a bit more atmospheric again. I mean, what our club did, which I thought was at the time mad, is they took a whole section out behind the goal and made it into a family stand and it's kind of killed the atmosphere a wee bit and I'm not really sure how we get that back because then you then have to move more people and you know, and then they say, oh, well, let's move to 40,000 Stadium or 25 or 30 or whatever. Do you think we can't even fill Loftus Road and the place is falling apart, it needs fixing. And, um, you know, it's just, I think we've all got our troubles, you know what I mean? And sometimes, like we had the playoff with a few years ago at Wembley, which is probably one of the best days of my life, apart from my daughter being born. But you you kind of, that's what we all live for, isn't it? That them glorious moments. Like you look at Arsenal fans and you're thinking, if you can't be Arsenal, to turn up when your club's rubbish, then you, you don't deserve the good days. If that, and that's not being better, that's just being honest, because you've got to go with it. I mean, Sunderland fans will turn up, QPR fans will turn up, and sometimes you turn up. Numb I know the habit. I mean, I remember watching us lose the flicking folks on Motors who were a car plant, which is one of the worst days of my life. And, you know, it's just, you know, you kind of think to yourself, how the hell did this happen? But
0: how do we happen. get here? But, <laughs> but,
1: but the same season we got to the playoff final, right? We got beat by Cardiff. But, you know what I mean? It's like that football kind of does that to you. It takes you from the depths of despair sometimes to the, the, the highest of highs. But when you, it's just, I mean, sometimes I've always said that, you know, supporting um, QPR sometimes is like just a long, big kick in the nuts. Cause it's, <laughs> it's, it's just so and so and so. And then like the Premier League was just like that. And then you, you suddenly beat the legs like, so we beat the scumbags down the road. And um, John Terry came down and got his arse whopped, you know, and you kind of think yourself, oh, I like this again. You fall in love with it again. And, um, but yeah, getting beat every week is not fun. I mean, You've asked me what players I fear from the son. I mean, McGee's a good player. I'm not really I mean, sure no how he's still playing for you guys. I mean, I'm sure as he got this contract, he's gotta stay there until the last, you know <laughs> he last picks the ball. I mean till he's eighty four, up-
0: apparently. Till he's eighty four. Apparently that's how long he's here. Until he's died. until he's dead, he has to play centre off
1: <laughs> I never really read him to be fair. I mean, you know, it's he's all right. It's, it's like Anton Ferdinand, you know, people used to say to Oh, he's a great player, and I'd watch him, I'm thinking, my, could do that and she's and disabled,
0: God bless her. Anton was all right for us, um, but I think he went to keep you on a free transfer. Anton, didn't
1: he? Uh, I think we might have given you a few miles bars or something, goodness. But we were ripped <laughs> off. I mean, again, you know, you know, maybe he wasn't a bad player, but he was bloody awful for us at times. You know, another one who seemed to run backwards when he was trying to go forwards. Um, yeah, wasn't the best. I mean, but you know, I mean, we had some bad ones for You know, just. I mean, when Mark Hughes is our manager, I mean, I hate Mark Hughes anyway. always <laughs> have about that. <laughs> and yeah, he just, do you know what he said, which is still lives with me to, you yeah. know, um, it'll always live with me. because I interviewed the board and they met my expectations, <laughs> and my ambitions. And you're like, wow, we've been interviewed by him? And how is yeah. that going to work? And it didn't surprise, surprise, because he came in with his mates and signed players on the most ridiculous of deals. And um, we actually had Mark Bowen on the podcast once who just went down like a cup of cold sick. Um and just <laughs> didn't have anything for us. Do you know you're interviewing someone and you're saying you're not getting this pal. You don't and I hate it Mark Hughes anyway, because big Alan McDonald's called Rest of Soul, our big centre half from Northern Ireland, used to hate Mark Hughes. And I always thought to myself if Maca hates you, there's something deeply wrong with your soul.
0: Mark Hughes yeah he gets he gets on my tits a little bit for want of a a better phrase yeah he always used to really annoy me but um, I suppose one thing I probably should mention just to kind of sort of cover off I guess the match that game that would do oh yeah you not know, remember that Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I used to you know I, you know it's bad I used to find myself going to the pub to try and have a pint for every minute to make sure I'd be absolutely off my head and I couldn't remember any of the game Terrible, really but
0: there you go um, <laughs> oh that is sounded all over and it has been for quite a long time now i think we'll all attest to that all the the, the men and the women listening <laughs> we all attest to that that's part of the day that the session is part of the day now it's not really the football that that's kind of like that's the thing that gets in the way of the drinking time my, my mate who i go to football with and away days has always turned to me and said you know 90
1: minutes gets in the way of a good day out and um when things are going badly, when things are going well, of course it's different. I mean I, listen, the script's writ for you guys to come down and win Saturday. As a QPR fan, being the probably the most pessimistic soul, um, it's kind of it's that sort of thing you think, hang on, this is this is this is a sort of game we 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 will blow it big time. Um because your record without being horrible is is poor as hell. Yeah. Listen, you know better than I do, it's it's not good. Um but if I was a Sunderland fan, I wouldn't be too disheartened because QPR should become a registered charity for giving away points um, and helping clubs out in the times of need. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I'm not confident in us at times. We, we, we seem to be checkle and hide. Um, and, you know, we're, we're fairly safe. Um, it would take, even by our standards, it would take the mother of all cock-ups to, for us to get involved in. Really. I think I think Burton have gone. I think Birmingham are doing their best to get themselves really good at and unfortunately, you guys are down there as well, and Bolton. Uh, so I think we should hopefully be okay. I don't mean that in an arrogant ways. You know, what I mean I just no, I just, I
0: you're right, mate. Like you shouldn't be fearing us. I don't think anyone should be fearing us. Uh, well, oh.
1: I think the fact you haven't won for ages, and I think that scares you. Shade out of me because that's the sort of game <laughs> we lose. It, honestly, we lost to Fox on motors and we I went to penalties, and we had two games to beat them in, and they killed us. And I was just uh, and our manager said afterwards, which was Holloway penalties or lottery. And you think not against a car plant? Surely, to God, not. Anyway, um, now nah, who knows? I mean, I, I guess the thing is, you know, I don't know how many fans you're bringing away these days. Are you, are you filling the way? Yeah, in
0: or? We still, still pretty much fill it, to be honest. There's always, always I mean, we took two thousand down to Millwall last week during all that snow and stuff. So yeah, wow. you get a thousand and a half, two thousand, I would imagine.
1: Because it comes kind of gallows humour, doesn't it? When it's when it's yes. like, you kind of t- turn up. But what I hear is something you touched on earlier on. I mean, that we had it with Jerry Francis in his second return and stuff, and a few other managers. Is seeing fans fight amongst themselves because there is people yeah. who, if Satan was in charge of your football club, and we had that pretty close with um like some red napping, Mark Hughes. Um, they, they demand total loyalty to the manager, and you're thinking he's an yeah. absolute bin lid. That bloke, there's no way yeah. he's getting my loyalty. Not a chance. And people then start arguing and fighting. And I always find that really disappointing because, you know, I mean, Mark Hughes was bad. I mean, Red Knapp was an absolute joke. And um, they, they're the sort of people you shouldn't have at your football club, who especially trying to make things, you know, go, go in the right direction. I mean, I, you know, people always say to me, who do you replace Holloway with? And I think, well, if I knew that, I'd be running QPR, wouldn't I? I mean, yeah, exactly. Holloway's got to prove to me that he's there to take us into a better place and take us forward. And his record so far isn't saying that. But I hope he proves you wrong, and um, well, I don't know what's going to happen in the, the season. I I can't I kind of imagine that it's going to be fifty-fifty whether he stays or goes. Um, so he could be back on um, Sky TV next season. Who knows? And getting his predictions completely wrong as usual. Um, but yeah. no, you don't know. I mean, if, if, I mean, McGeady's a good player he's still. There's still a good player in there. I mean, you've you've mentioned some players. that... Yeah, but, you know, why aren't they showing it? Oh, you know, I mean, I watch, you know, you watch certain teams playing, you think you're definitely playing to get the manager sacked. You know, you can't be that bad. I mean, I've seen it on my own side. Um, and you kind of think, oh, are they doing this to the Or oh, Do players have too much power? Can managers show at players anymore? Has it all changed so much? the pamper too much this, that, and the other? I don't know. You know, you talk to... Um, we have Bradley Allen on the podcast sometimes. He sort of tells you about, you know, the kids at Spurs and then they go out and loan yeah. somewhere lower league and it's, it's like a real culture shock to them because they're so looked after at Spurs. And then they send out to someone like Rochdale or someone like that, where it's completely different and it's a real culture shock. So you do wonder if young lads need to do more of that from the bigger clubs and, and experience lower league football and, 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 and go oh, back to the back.
0: So. I definitely think so. I think... There's a lot of our younger boys that are coming through just now, and I think you know it's unfortunate. A lot of them have gone, like Tommy Robson's gone to Falkirk. Tom Bedlin's doing quite well at Dunfermline. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's very much lower level. It's, it's Championship Scottish football, but um, mm. they're all they're in. succeeding. Um, Ledger's just gone to permanently to somewhere in Norway, and I, I, I you said something before about you you watch young boys and. You know this. George Honeyman gets a lot of stick um, from us because, yeah, to be honest, he's he's not really good enough. But he's probably my favourite player because he just he runs more, he, he cares more, and I just that's all nice. I ask. That's all I ask, and I wish that some of the younger boys do do well when we go down and and do kind of. And you look at like. Yeah, the, the saving grace would be look like at Southampton. You know, what ten, ten, fifteen years ago, they went down and they had people like Lorna Lambert, players who went all the way up with them, and they, they built a special team um, that has only recently been dismantled a few years ago by Liverpool, of course. Um,
1: Southampton B side, as we call them.
0: Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, but you know, that's kind of what you got to hope. But I think the problem with Sunderland is we're so mismanaged. Even the young boys get like ground down and. Beedlin, Ledger, uh, Josh Robson. There's a few few of the younger boys that just haven't been given enough of a chance. And and you've got people like, it's, it's tough for Coleman really to come in before any of them got a chance, like Asoro, Major. And you know what? The young boys have been our best players this year. Asoro you know, the past few months have been far and wide better. Honeyman, you know, say what you want. I think Honeyman's been one of our better players this year. Yeah, he's, he lacks, he does lack. um, He lacks an awful lot. But at the same time his, his effort and his commitment and he's, he's, you know, he's got life for goal he's got four goals this season for midfield which is quite good considering how mm. shit we are like we're absolutely shit um,
1: you, have, just, you keep saying that you're scared of life out of me I know what's going to happen on Saturday night
0: <laughs> I don't think so
1: is, is, is Paddy McNear still playing
0: He's he's injured right now. Um mm-hmm. he's, well, he's always injured. He's he's like continuously injured. He's like he's made out of like Rizzler papers, so yeah, he's I, I don't think he's fit on Saturday. Paddy Paddy McNair's all right actually at this level and obviously he had a really good game down at Loftus Road what last season. But like the the likes of like Duncan Watmore and Paddy McNair probably would have maybe gained us one or two more points, but well, definitely, what more, what more? Again, us quite a bit, but that, that yeah, there's another player. As soon as he gets back to fitness, he'll be gone as well. If he comes back to fitness, we're a team of of young boys who shouldn't have to carry a can. Experienced pros that are just well past their sell by date and and has-beens that don't really want to be here, but they do need to get you know a wage week week in week out. Uh, Jack Wardwell, for example, uh, John O'Shea, Catamo, and then you've got like the the good players are the ones that are always injured, and there's not many of them, to be honest. <laughs>
1: Has Catmull really become? Because he was—he he used to be the engine in your midfield with me for them years, and he used to have the East derbies. He was always trying to get himself the quickest player book in history. Um, so he's not doing it for you guys anymore, then, no? hes uh,
0: he, for me, he's—he's he's been in like one of the worst players all season. I think he's been absolutely horrific. And the thing that annoys me most about Lee Catmull this season is—he's—he's he's a leader. He's always been mm. a leader, and that's what we've loved about him. And that guy's been nothing but a coward this season. Not really a coward, yeah. He's just you know what, he's he's not leading at all. Whenever we concede, we've talked about this at the match of the day. Whenever we concede a goal, the first two players that you can see on each photo with the head down, dejected John O'Shea Lee Catamull, You've got two experienced like premiership players there. They should be G'ing up 17 18 year olds when they miss chances yeah. and should be going, Oh, it's all right, you know, they'll come back like. You know, I've done this, but There's just no leadership there. And for me, when you've got the capabilities to be a leader, like John O'Shea and, and Lee Catmore have been, and you don't show it to me, that's cowardly. You're, you're an absolute bloody coward because you, you're you not man enough. You're not good enough to take that mantle of being the experienced pro and say, I'm not having this at Sunderland. I'm not having it. They're just letting it happen and letting the, the younger boys carry the can. Complete cowards for me this season, especially Lee Catmull. Absolute coward, and the sooner he goes, the better. And um, that's how far, in my yeah, estimation, so he's gone. Well, yeah, they
1: probably will course. do one just too late. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's once season's over. Yeah, so that's what we always say. We're always like, we just one, another clear out, another clear out. But you know, the trouble with us is we're, you know, I've got a massive score, we've got a revolving door, but no one wants a lot of our players because a lot of them simply aren't quite aren't, aren't good enough. To, I mean, you, you mentioned Lee Camp. I mean, years ago when Lee Camp first came to QPR, we picked it up on the, the way to Hartlepool, I think it was. That's we terrible. picked up the way from, on the yeah, service station. I think he, who was he at the time? I think it was a derby at the time, I'm not sure. And he, he, he came in, played a blinder, and then he was there for a few years, and he wasn't actually a bad keeper. I met him a few times, and I would want to meet him again.
0: Yeah, he's, 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 well, I think that says an awful lot because he's going to come in as the experienced professional. And he's absolutely shit. I'd love to, I'd love to put like something better here, but he just it, it, like. And again, he's a thirty-three-year-old, and yeah, he's played five or six games, but he's letting about fifteen goals in those games. But, and and he's not shouting at his defenders. He's not leading any of the young boys at the back. He's got nah. Clark Salter, or Tyus Brown, and you know, young boys, 21, 19, twenty-two. And yeah, he's got O'Shea there, but there's no leadership from him either. There's been all the keepers have been rotten, but f- for me. I think Lee Camp's probably been the worst we've had. He's has been rotten. Terrible, terrible player. Um and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what he's doing with his his hair at the moment. He looks like something out of shameless, but um <laughs> he's he's certainly playing like uh certainly playing like someone out of shameless as well.
1: I think the thing with him is certainly when he's at Rangers he always he always felt he was doing us the favour. I always got the impression with him is that I you know, it's just and He's not like the 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 ilk of someone like Kevin Gallen and people like that there and Birch, who I mean, were yeah. KPR fans who who lived in the local area, got it, and and you know you talked to them for hours, and then the like, I mean, I you know I've speak, spoken to them before, about their hero, and their hero was the same as my hero, which is Johnny Byrne. Do you know what I mean? So you kind yeah. of have that, and you kind of think, oh, God, and you think all footballers are like that, then you meet someone like Lee Camp and a few others who just. You think, oh Jesus! When I mean, we had the one that we get, I'm only—I'm not saying I rub shoulders for footballers, but you get them on the podcast, so you have a quick chat with them, you get to know them type of thing. And there's a lot of decent ones out there, um, but then there's a lot of people that come on. And you just think you don't—you think you don't even like football. Do you know what I mean? You, you sort of meet yeah. them, and you just think it's, this is a chore for them to to be. It must be the worst thing in the world. is the club said, look, we're, you're going to meet some fans and have a conversation. Just do your best, not to say anything stupid. And they stand there, and they, you know they just go through the PR thing, and then. There's nothing in them, you know. Whereas it's, it's great sometimes to meet a player who can talk and you, you know, who you can get on with and who you know cares about your club and you know when you don't see that, it's so bloody depressing. Because I don't believe that in, in the old school where like we pay your wages, we demand you talk to. I don't believe in that at all. But yeah. at the same time, I think you know when, when you see players walking down the tunnel and kids holding an autograph book and they just walk past them, I just think that's that shames us all. You know, it's it's, it's not good and you know. You've played 90 minutes, I know you must be tired, but spent 10, 15 minutes talking to the kids, you know. You, you, you're the heroes, you know. Be a hero and, and be a decent human being because, you know, we need kids to keep coming back and fall in love with the game and get away from a blinking Xbox. And I just hate seeing that, you know. I just hate seeing players, ignore fans. It's just, to me, it's 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 horrible. And unfortunately, it's a modern thing, you know. It's just, maybe it's because I'm bloody old, I don't know. I, I, do you know what, I sound like... When I was a kid, I used to be at QPR, and people used to, whenever they, kids, they would be talking about players. And say, "Oh, it's not like the olden days." Jesus, I am, an, I am neither <laughs> age group of people. I'm getting um, with you. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I mean, you know, it's it's like we had um on the the podcast we had a guy called Stephen Street who produced the Smiths and all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and he's just
1: like he's a massive QPR fan, but he's also I didn't realise he's a he's a fully qualified referee.
0: Oh right, okay.
1: I thought I could rant about football. Dear Lord, that boy can rant. Yeah, um, and he knows what he's talking about, and he loves football. It's so nice. You know, there's someone like that. I mean, we've had Sean Walsh on, and he loves QPR, he loves talking about football and stuff like that. And you think, God, these, you know, they're not like doing that. I mean, do you know the one thing that really annoys me in, in life is soccer? I am. Um, I just think it's the worst thing that was ever invented. <laughs> and I, I've not it. watched
0: it for a long time. Not since Lovejoy left, anyway. I used to be, I used to quite like Lovejoy, but yeah. he's a Chelsea bugger. But, um, <laughs> I knew, the, I knew that was a reason behind that. I knew there was something somewhere where you wouldn't like love joy. If you don't like love joy, you can't like soccer. And yeah. that, that's my well, opinion.
1: When, when I was a kid, I used to really like the Cocktail Twins, and then Pat Nevin used to talk about them. And you're just kind of like, you're not allowed to like the Cocktail Twins. You're a Chelsea player. It's just, <laughs> it, it's up there with you know, the wrongest things. But I mean. You know, i mean, been... God, we've had some discussions today, haven't we? We're trying to put the, the game right. We're trying to talk about our childhood and why you are on over football. And I think that's the thing is is that... The, you know, now I think about it, you got me thinking about it. It's like, I love seeing kids coming off the show and, and enjoying it and seeing the crack and, and, you know, and seeing smiles. You know, what I hate is looking down at what we have as a family stand. And they're on their phones and on the computer or whatever they've got in their hands. and
0: Yeah.
1: Hands around and not really watching the game. And I'm thinking... Wow, you know, when I was a kid, I used to stand at the, you know, Glen Torrance Grand Oval when I was very small. And, you know, it was, you look forward all week to it and it'd get beaten around your week, but never mind, you enjoyed it anyway. Yeah. Chase through Belfast by Linfield fans was a great experience. <laughs> and, you know, and then it was only when I went to the Euros with Northern Ireland a few years ago, you're kind of thinking, wow, this is, you know, that was just, a, you know, a weird experience in my life, you know? And I just thought to myself, why this was, this is what it used to be like watching QPR every week. You know this. You know the season we went up. Uh, I mean, we, we won at Sheffield Wednesday, and we had to go up that season because it was the debts were mounting up again. It was just getting so dodgy, and we took like nine thousand fans up there. And it was the best day out, and everyone had a big smile on their face, and the crack was great. And you kind of, you know, the, every for every bad experience at a, you know, a tramier or a Vauxhall Bodoes, you can look at Sheffield Wednesday, at Hillsbridge and go, okay, I'll take that and just have that moment of glory. But, you, you know, whereas younger guys now aren't seeing that with QPR, they're, they're kind of seeing this kind of like up and downness. It's kind of, all right, we had the playoff a few years ago, but I do worry about kids just being, you know, being numb by foot. They're not seeing, I mean, Holloway football's a button. Geez. Really?
0: Yeah, uh, that, that, that's a big thing. I think, you know, the, the, the amount of times I've seen people go at the match these days with their sons. And, I mean, I, I took my little brother who's like 11 um and, and you know come half time he was like can I can I go this is like no one's yeah. scoring and he, he started like he started pretending that like if we had like a really bad shot he'd be like Ooh, just to try and like get a little bit more excited about the game he just and when I was a kid it was just like it was sitting in the four-wheel end of the clock stand and sitting on like the, standing on the terraces sorry and, and just being able to see these like to me though like gods do you know what i mean like craig russell martin smith like to me they were like, like kevin ball they were, they, were, they were godly like these were like guys who got to play football every single week but like mm-hmm. you, know, you could look up to people like that because it was back in the day when the likes of kevin ball could he'd, up, he'd upend someone he'd stick the boot in he'd, he'd fight for that red and white shirt he was wearing i just i suppose i understand kids wanting to play on the xbox and stuff now i suppose i get it i think you know if i could travel back in time and not have the burden of Sunderland, would I take it? Probably, mm. probably would, to be honest, because there's the amount of money that is drained out of me and, and many others, and yeah, they have given stuff back. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the greatest days of my life have been scoring in the last minute at Old Trafford uh, in the semifinal, beating them on penalties directly afterwards, beating the scum in the one backyard repeatedly. Um, stuff like that yeah you know I, I wouldn't change it for the world but I think if you come into it as a, as a fresh person with fresh eyes and you're just coming to try and get into this game of football and you're seeing your team get beat five out of six games and the one game you win into a, a shitty one or win against Hull yeah I can understand why kids wouldn't fall in love with it I guess
1: but then that's because it, you are where you are and you know, I, I, I've, I, you know, listen, there's been times when I've, I've gone to QPR, I've sat there and I've kind of found it's more of a habit. And then someone like Adele Tarrato's up and then you're on the back of your seat again and you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah. again." I, this is, and that's what all it takes. It's just like, I mean, with Adele and like to me, he's probably the greatest player in the last 15 years. I've seen wearing a QPR shirt. Just it's a shame his brains didn't match his feet. He may have been the most stupidest human in the world, but by God, he was a talent with the football. Yeah. Um, and he should have been he should be at a top club in Europe. He should be doing amazing things because of what that boy could do with the football. I and mean, uh, Ali Forlan, as well, and people like that, who are just absolutely class players. And then you get the down days, and when you, you sit in the ground, and like the Forest game, you've got your, you know, you're like you, you do it yourself, you've got your, your hand in your head, and you're kind of watching. You just, you can't believe what you're seeing. And you're kind of thinking, ah, oh, this is this is this is gutless and and everything else. And you know, I did that once against Brentford this season. I was like, oh, gutless, awful, 2 0 down with about five minutes ago. We won three 2 two. I was like, I take it all back. Um, and and that's football because we, that's the other thing. We we get we we're we coming up to playing um, Fulham in the seventh and Patrick's Day away, and we always, apart from last year when we beat them but we always get absolutely hammered at Craven Cottage. It's, it must be in the contract of our league existence or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and um, it's just awful we get battered all the time there. And, you know, and then we, we get beat by Brentford. Don't. And, you know, the the worst thing is that we're slowly, I mean, hopefully it will change, but Brentford are getting a new ground. Fulham have got quite a, de- a, a very decent ground. You know, the, the scum down the road a building not that you ever get me in that shit all, but they're building is still a big thing so you're kind of thinking where's our future fans coming from I mean you was talking about youth team football I find it so disgusting that Chelsea can pull players from Sunderland from Belfast from Cardiff from Preston from everywhere and rack and stack so many kids and take them away from the local clubs and then send them alone and then they end up never playing a football match anywhere properly and just get lost by the wayside it's so rotten, that system. It's disgusting. I mean, I hate them anyway, but I hate them even more for what they are doing the football. It's so bad. They could just have all these kids. I mean, you talk to people at Tottenham and anywhere in, in London, and the real problem is that Chelsea just seem to be getting every talent that's going at every age group and racking and sacking.
0: Yeah, not completely. Just absolutely wasting them, I think. You know, when it comes down to... Yeah, it's been in the news, hasn't it, quite recently. But, you know, Sunderland are getting a bit like that as well. Not so much the hiring, but just the sack and the amount of kids that we're just letting go for absolutely deadly squat who would, you know, I think we're going and do well. Uh, John Egan at Brentford is doing well. Conor Hurian was one of ours as well, scored against us the other night. Well, technically it was Oviedo, but, you know, make go that what you will. But, yeah, I suppose uh, before I depress myself more, I'll, I'll take a score prediction before I let you go, my man. Um, I'm going to say 2-0 QPR. How are you going? Already
1: oh, okay. Oh. Do you know what? It depends. If if it's if it's the old. Sol- I mean, when did you last win away match? Was it? Did you beat this year? was that away or was that at home?
0: That was at home. We lost uh, one away from home. December, Nottingham Forest, one 0
1: Ah, you see, now I'm terrified. You know, <laughs> I've, I've, pro- I've probably worked myself up into. A sec- Listen, I don't know. You never were Rangers, but I mean. I guess the least of you guys' worries is, is what happens on Saturday. It's what happens after that, I suppose. But, yeah, if if, if we continue playing how he played against Derby for 20 minutes, and you know, we could quite easily win. If we play like we play at Forest, we'll get beat again. It's it's very Jekyll and Hyde. I have no idea, but I'll, I'll never predict a draw or anything other than just, a, you know, I'll take a 1-0 QPR win all day long. But... You know, it's quite sad because I'm not just paralysing, but it's just pushing you closer to that trap door. I just hope that somehow, you know, if you do go down, someone comes in and saves you guys. And you know, I, I want to play a good Sunderland. I don't want to play this Sunderland without being disrespectful. I want you not against the not
0: at all, not disrespectful at all. But um, I agree. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, when we do come back, because we're going down, uh, we'll back with a bit more gusto. But um, thanks for the kind words, Paul. Honestly, um no it's depressing in its own little way that so many fans have said very similar about seeing how how horrible it is to see what's happening in Sunland. And, you know, I, I, I obviously know it's, it's disgusting. It it, it sucks um, for want of a better word, but, um, I hope you really have a terrible Saturday. Um, I hope you have <laughs> the worst Saturday you've had and we win seven nil and we go on and, and win every game for the rest of our existence. But <laughs> I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, um, look after yourself Paul thanks for coming on um, joy your as big always mind. my man thank you
1: and if you're ever in West London watching a game come and say I will have a pint one day big man
0: oh for sure mate yes because the pint is what it's about not the 90 minutes anymore as we've already discussed <laughs> no worries and listen good luck after Saturday thank you very much have a good rest of the uh, good rest of the night and have a horrible horrible Saturday and a good rest of the season after that
1: I'm going to watch Question Time and show the Tories
0: <laughs> yeah none of us are Tory fans we're from we're from Sunderland very much a, a red side <laughs> I hear you big man listen you take care of yourself take care that. my man any time cheers. cheers now bye now. bye. so that's the end of the QPR episode uh, long going and usual there had a nice re-rant nice re-go at Tories at the end as well um, apologies if you're Tory don't really care yeah uh, so on a football level yeah it's, 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 it's awful isn't it here yeah, people have that kind of sympathy for us i mean not awful in the, the sense that it's not a nice thing to, to hear because you know it's nice that people understand and they get it and they they wouldn't want to be us and it's nice that people see something for what we really are and i think you know it is becoming a bit more apparent to that the outside world but it's awful hearing people talk about us as if we're like the team that everyone wishes they weren't and but i understand it i, I totally understand it and I can just hope it gets better. I don't think it's going to. Um, I think we need to ride out these last 10 games. Deal with League One when it comes. He's got to go one day. He's got to go one day. This has to end at some point. And it might be a while before it ends. You know, strap yourself in. This could be a shitty ride. But would we rather be anywhere else in Sunderland? No, not for me. It's my team. It's your team. It's our team. Um, And that's one thing we've always got to remember. It's ours. No one else's and we'll always be there and as long as we're always there then there'll always be a summoned. thanks again for tuning in you have a good rest of the week have a cracking weekend I'll catch you next week thanks bye